0: So we're selling the house and we're cleaning stuff out and I'm in the basement and I'm cleaning out. I see something glitter in the back and I'm like, what the hell is that? You know, and I I grab and it's it's a it's a diamond ring. But I'm like, oh, this can't possibly be like a real ring. Right. I mean, it's like (laughs) so I found a piece of glass or something or a mirror or whatever. And I scratched it just to like check to see if it was a diamond or not. I'm Jeff Comstead. Uh, I'm a local runner here in Champaign. I run as Abraham Lincoln for the Illinois Marathon, and uh, I work as a communications and outreach coordinator at Prairie Rivers Network.
1: Hey, Jeff, uh, I've known you for years and interviewed you uh, prior to the Christie Clinic Illinois Marathon. When's the last time you put on the Abraham Lincoln outfit?
0: 2019. Yeah, 2019 was the last year. Uh, That was
1: the 10th. It was my 10th time. My 10th time is running as abe. Yeah, that was the that 2019 was sort of the last year for a lot of things, right? Yeah, yeah. So normalcy was, that was the last year of normal. And it seems like five years ago, doesn't it? It, it feels
0: like forever, honestly. Um, you know, like running in a pandemic has been a challenge, I think, for a lot of folks. I mean, I think I think a lot of folks like use the pandemic as, as a means to like start working out and getting fit and everything. And then for like runners like me, it's like. There's kind of been like a, I'm trapped inside. So, what do I do? You know, and so you have to go out and run. But, you know, it's just, it's more of a challenge when you're not able to run with folks, uh, when, when you weren't able to run with folks uh, safely, I felt. So, yeah, I think it's been a challenge.
1: Yeah, I find uh, I'm not an avid runner like you are. Um, uh, I mean, you're you're like a regular daily many miles runner. And that's one of the reasons I wanted to talk to you, because while the Christie Clinic Illinois Marathon uh, was not held this year, it is on the books for next year. But in the meantime, they're putting together the run to remember on September 11th. So a little over a month away as this podcast airs. So that's that's exciting. And I as soon as that email came in, I'm like, I just got to sign up.
0: Yeah, I mean, I think it's uh, I think it's great. It's great to do, um, you know, especially since it's the 20th anniversary of 9-11. You know, it's a hugely important and significant date. And um, so I think my plan
1: is to do it. I really need to sign up. So you run how many miles in a typical day or in a typical week?
0: Um, Four, usually four at a minimum. Um, It's usually like four to six on just like a regular, regular day. And then on the weekend, I'll have like, you know, eight between six and eight. Um, if I'm training for a race, a half marathon or something, I'll, we'll do like 10 or 11 or something like that.
1: What is your, what is your preferred organized race distance? Like, are you, do you really like the half marathon length? Yeah. The half marathon. I mean, I've
0: done, I've done seven marathons. Um, I ran Boston in 2014. So that was a year after the bombing. And, um, you give everything, at least for my body, my body just can't handle 26, you know, I think for a lot of people, <laughs> you can't handle 26 miles. But for me, it's just like it wears me out way too much. And it has too much of a an impact on me. I've run 56 or 57 half marathons. So that, those are just like metal half marathons, um, you know. So I've run thousands of miles, I think, with my dog too. Actually, all right. A Few years ago, he ran a thousand miles in one year. I, I counted them. Okay. And so it has been a uh, it has been a, a point of pride that with me with him that he's he's run a thousand miles in a year. What, so what's your dog's name? The dog that you run with? His name's Jackaroo, and uh, he's he's kind of an Australian uh, cattle dog mix. Um, he's He's kind of like uh he has the energy and smartness of like a border collie and he's just has an
1: endur- the endurance of a cattle dog. He's just really um he, he's really born to run, honestly. I know when I'm going to take my dog for a walk or a car ride, those two words, she just perks up. Do I mean do you do you say Jackaroo, do you want to go for a run and then boom, he's just like all in.
0: No, actually, all I need to do is put on running clothes and he knows like he I think I think it has to do with like the smell of the clothes, because like as soon as I put him on, then he's like he's you could tell that he's ready to he's ready to go. And if you don't take him, which, you know, there are those times when it's like either it's too hot um, that he gets, you know, a little disappointed, but. He, he's getting older, though. I mean, he's 10 years old now, um, so he can't go as far. Well, no, he can't go as far. He just can't go as fast as he used to.
1: And when he's really older, what you can do is you can be like those moms who, and it's mostly moms I see. I do see some dads, but they've got the jogging stroller, you know, and they're hauling it. I don't know how they do it, but they're hauling it, you know, and they've got some toddler in there. So you'll have to get one of those when Jackaroo hits, uh, you know, 15 or whatever and still wants to go. I mean, I think people get... A-
0: special awards for that, you know, for being able to push that stuff, because that's just a small child plus all the the gear and everything and pushing that for miles it's just it's amazing
1: what, i mean what's your go-to gear for running people can really get wrapped up in what to wear what kind of shoes what kind of socks do i need the watch what level watch all that stuff what would you tell somebody who maybe already knows how to do a 5k but you're somebody who runs four to six miles a day plus 10 miles on the weekend so what what would you you you've you've and plus you've run 50 plus half marathons, so you don't get caught up in all that stuff anymore
0: Right. Um, I would say your shoes are the most important part really, um, getting, getting good shoes that from a running store. Now, I mean, if you're here local in Champaign-Urbana, that's definitely body and soul go there for your shoes. Because I mean, I used to work there too. Um, and you know, everybody on staff knows how to get you the shoe that fits your body type, what your foot does and, and how it reacts to running. And, you know, if, if you have, pour shoes on, you're going to feel that and you're going to know, and you're going to get discouraged from, from working out and, and doing the running. So shoes are really the most important part. And then I would say, um, secondly, your the clothes that you wear, um, making sure that you have breathable shirts that, you know, tech shirts basically, um, so that you're not um, running in cotton, um, because, uh, cotton is rotten basically is, is the, is the, Phrase that people use because you know, it, like it's it 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 doesn't wick sweat away, and so then it it sticks to your body, and then it makes you you know
1: you chafe, and so you just want you know some sort of texture. I saw somebody on social media I follow; she's a runner, and she put up a quick video uh, that said the first one to two miles suck for everybody. That I have always felt that way, but I've never heard from another runner say that. But it's always, especially the first mile, seems like it's the most uncomfortable. It's like, God, oh, what am I doing? And then finally, 10, 15 minutes into it, your body's like, oh, okay, we're running. I'm ready.
0: Yeah. Um, I would, I would say 100% agree. Um, <laughs> and I would almost say, uh, well, for I think it depends on the person, quite honestly. Like um, for me, and I, It will take for me, it will take maybe three miles uh for my body to plus I'm I'm getting older. Um, you know, and as I get older, um I'm in my late 40s now. Um, and so you know, it takes me a while to get going in the morning. Uh I used to be able to get up. I used to be able to get up at like four in the morning and just put on running shoes and get out the door. And now that just doesn't happen. (laughs) You know, it's like, it just doesn't happen that way. Like I need coffee. I need to sit and eat and get the energy and absorb, you know, calories in before I can even get going. And so it will take me a good three miles and, and and which is kind of rough when you're only going to be doing like four. But that means that last mile, damn, that's a good mile, you know, (laughs) like you're running, you're running and and finally it clicks in your body and it's like, wow, that feels really great. But yeah, it does suck. And um, it sucks for some people like me. It sucks for three, three out of those four miles. It sucks. But man, that first, that that last mile makes it a whole lot better.
1: Yeah. This video I saw that she posted, she mentioned some. Physical reason why the first mile or two stinks for all runners, and in some cases, like you said, three miles. Yeah, there's some sort of chemical change in your body that goes from, you know, just walking around breathing mode to you know running physical exertion mode. So again, the run to remember is coming up September 11th. Now, speaking speaking of September 11th, you were in Washington D.C. on September 11th, and you actually lived there for a number of years. So you were there the day that the Pentagon was hit by the jet.
0: That is true. Yes, um, I was working. I was teaching at um, George Washington University um, while I was also going to school, and it was it was on a Tuesday, and so I taught on Monday, Wednesday, Friday. So on Tuesday, I was in my apartment, which was a basement apartment, and my wife was. This was in the you know early days of the internet. <laughs> where you had uh, instant messenger, I think is what it was what, that we used instead of having like everybody having cell phones and texting each other and stuff. We, you know, it was instant messenger. And she said, did you, you know, she typed, have you seen the, the news? And I was like, no. And so I turned on CNN or whatever. And, you know, it was happening. Then during the course of the day, I mean, everything just changed as, as you would imagine it would. My wife and I, we drove by the Pentagon. I think it was the next day because you could, There's there's the expressway that crosses the uh, there's a there's a highway that crosses the Potomac from D.C. into um, Arlington. And so you kind of drive by the Pentagon. And I mean, you could you could see it. And it was it was as bad as as you could imagine it would be. It was odd the next morning because the next morning was um, we still had class, which kind of boggles my mind that we would. Be teaching class the day after this happened. So here I am, a college uh, adjunct composition instructor, teaching. You know, having to having to talk to students who just have gone through like a hugely uh, monumental experience and seeing it. Like some of my students could see it, see the Pentagon from their residential hall. Um, so that was just a really hard experience. Um, living in DC after you know after having that happen for subsequent years was just a really. Crazy experience. I mean, just everybody was on edge for years afterwards, um, and so you know, it's kind of we're we're twenty years beyond that now, and it's hard to even like comprehend how 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 much. The, the, the terrorist attacks of 9-11 had an impact on the psyche of the people of Washington, D.C. and, you know, the people that lived through through that.
1: Yeah, I was in the studio at the time. It was a little after 8 o'clock Central Time when it happened. We had, I think, CNN on in the, uh, in the studio. We always had it on mute, but there was always a TV going in case there was some breaking news. And I remember staying on the air, I don't know, maybe till noon or something, just sort of uh, sharing information as it came in over the Internet, which, like you said, the Internet back then... Uh, in 2001 was different than it was today. Uh, Plus what we were gathering from blogs, you know, blogs were big, you know, people were like updating their blogs with information. And then so you would have I would have like multiple blogs open. I was refreshing the blogs because there was like there was no Twitter, you know, with this constant you could search for hashtag attack or something today, but not not then. So and you did, you know, you brought up a good point. I mean, in those in those days, weeks, months and even years after there was a lot of tension in the country. Because we were on this high terror alert or yellow level to red level. Um, There were terrorists who were involved or somehow involved who were still being interrogated or arrested. You know, today, right now, in 2021, every day, there's some sort of new bit of information about COVID-19. And that's kind of how it was during 9-11. It was like every day there was some new element to the terror attack story, right? Right. It was just it was it was information overload. Honestly, I feel like, and
0: this was information overload in an internet age that was not, like you said earlier, so connected to each other with Twitter and social media. I mean, social media didn't really exist other than like you said, the blog. Yeah, like we ever we were chasing shadows. I feel like um, as consumers of information, we were. You know hyper aware of how much we didn't know and i feel like i'm talking like um donald rumsfeld now you know there were things that we we don't know that we did know or whatever his quote is you know like there are things we know we know
1: we also know there are known unknowns that is to say we know there are some things we do not know but there are also unknown unknowns the ones we don't know we don't know that's how it was that's how it felt September 11th, the run to remember. It happens to be a Saturday, which is you know works out well for the organizers of that for the Christie Clinic Illinois Marathon. You haven't decided if you're going to run. If you do, do you think you'll uh, you'll run as Abraham Lincoln, or is is he not going to come back until the marathon in April of next year?
0: Yeah, I think. I think he, he, the the hat which I have right here which you can't see uh, but uh, yeah <laughs> um the he that hat will be on the shelf on that date. Uh, I just don't feel like, you know, running as Abraham Lincoln for remembering those who
1: have fallen is is the most appropriate use of the costume, I think. <laughs> I know here's here's what I tell people. So I lived on Daniel in Champaign for a number of years and then uh, sold the house to a family and they lived there for a few years. And then you ended up buying it from them. And so whenever I'm talking about, you know, the neighborhood of the central part of Champaign and where I used to live, I'll say, you know, who lived there? You know, the guy who dresses as Abe Lincoln during the marathon and everybody goes, oh yeah. Cause you've been in the paper and on social media, even if you don't run the marathon, I'm like, yeah, he's the one who bought, you know, the house that I lived in.
0: It was definitely kind of strange. Cause um, you know, in the, in the garage, That's, you know, the detached garage in the rafters. There was like some trim work from, uh, I think it was the cabinets in the kitchen that said Holstein. And I'm like, huh, that's kind of interesting. You know, this was before I knew that you would own the house. I was like, huh, that's kind of interesting that I don't really know any other Holsteins. I wonder if it's Steve. And so then at some point we... And we were talking about it and I was like, wow, that's okay. I own your house. And then let's talk about the ring, right? We need to talk bring up the ring. Oh, so (laughs) we, so my wife and I, we decided to move back to this house that we're currently in, which is a whole other story that we would buy the same house that we sold. But anyway, so we're selling the house and we're cleaning stuff out and I'm in the basement and I'm cleaning out some things and, you know, and the shelves, underneath the stairs and i'm like i see something glitter in the back and i'm like what the hell is that you know and i i grab and it's it's a it's a diamond ring but i'm like oh this can't possibly be like a real ring right i mean it's like (laughs) it's it's just this ring right it like so then i'm like okay well so i found a piece of glass or something or a mirror or whatever and i scratched it just to like check to see if it was a diamond or not and it scratched and i was like huh and i'm like thinking okay well i i don't know the the peacocks so those are who who had lived there who we bought it from and so then i'm like well i wonder if it's steve's so i text you and it's like is this happened to be your ring you know and i like i think i sent you a text a picture of it <laughs>
1: And you're like, that was my mom's, right? Is that what it was? It was your mom's wedding ring. (laughs) Yeah. So, so I've been, you know, so I was married once before, and my previous wife and I lived in the house, and my mom had given me the ring that my dad gave her, the engagement ring, right? And so, as as is is somewhat common, my mom's like, hey, if you'd like to give her this ring. You can. And so that's the ring that I proposed with. That's the ring that she would wear. And then the marriage ended. She gave the ring back. She knew it was my mom's that my dad had given. And so I put it somewhere and forgot about it. You know, you put it in a box and you forget about it. And I remember after the marriage ended, being back in St. Louis where my mom is and my mom bringing up the ring and will you still have it? Right. And I'm like, no, I think I gave it back to you, mom. And she's like, oh, well, maybe I have it here. And occasionally I would think about it, be like, man, did I, what did I do with it? Did I? And so the only thing I can figure is the master bedroom in that house on Daniel that I lived in and then the peacocks lived in and then you lived in. I think there was probably a space of some sort in the floor or the wall. And somehow that ring got knocked off of a dresser and fell down into the basement onto the shelf where you found it many, many years later. It was so far back.
0: Like, this is not something you could have e- you could easily get to, you know, like it was it was the shelf, I think, is probably four feet deep. So it's like not you, you have to like get up there to like crawl to get to it if that was something that, you know, so I think it had to have fallen, like you say, you know, like. Somehow it got back there, way in the back, in between the shelf and the, like, the wall or whatever that was there. So, yeah, it was so just weird circumstance that I would find this ring, you know, and that we would connect it to you. And it's been, I don't know what... 20 years or whatever, you know, later you get this ring back. I mean, that is crazy. How, how tall are you, Jeff? I am six foot.
1: If you'd been 5'10", you probably wouldn't have seen the ring and it would still be there. Probably not. By the way, so shortly after you gave it back to me, you texted me, you gave me the image, and I'll come by and get it. And you handed it to me and I got it. I got it back to my mom right away. I'm like, okay, that's it. I don't want to hang on to it anymore. And she was you know, excited to see it. That's amazing. I didn't I didn't know that part of the story. That's great. Oh, yeah. I, I mean, I did not hang on to it for much longer. I mean, I obviously mishandled it the first time. <laughs> so anyway, well, listen, it was great catching up with you. I would see you at least once a year, if not more, as we got ready for the uh, Illinois Marathon and you would be on the pre-race show and you were always, you know, so gracious. You, were, you would carry the flag, too, which is crazy because you were doing like, you know, a 10K or the half marathon carrying the flag if I remember correctly. Yeah, there there were some years I, I did that. I can barely carry, you know, a bottle of water or something. So to carry a flag is pretty epic.
0: After, I think after one year where it was, um, I think there was probably 15 mile an hour winds. I don't remember what year that was, but it was, and you get out by Stone Creek and oh my, I had a bruise on my like not on my collarbone, but like on the skin, you know, there was just a bruise from the flag, like slamming up against it. So after that year, I decided, man, maybe I don't need to run with the flag anymore.
1: Well, Mr. President, we do appreciate that you carried the flag all those many years during the marathon. Thank you. Well, thank you. Thank you very much. And I appreciate uh, the invite to come on the show. Absolutely. Jeff Comstead, local runner, as well as Abraham Lincoln in uh, in the races. And uh, maybe we'll see you on the starting line on September 11th. Talk to you soon. And uh, thanks for coming on the podcast. Thank you. A quick favor to ask, if you're listening in an app, please use the follow or subscribe button so each episode is downloaded automatically. And if your podcast app allows it, please leave a review so others can discover the show. And finally, if you have an episode suggestion or a comment or a question, you can email steve at holstein.co or use the contact link on the website. I'm Steve. This was the Holstein & Company podcast. Thanks for listening. Have a great week and I'll see you around town.